Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Have you ever wanted something so bad for so long that the reality of having it seems impossible at this point? Have you ever believed God for something wholeheartedly and then could feel as the more time passed your confidence slipping away? Have you ever resolved that God's truth was your standard and then found it difficult to stand on his word? If so, you're not alone. God making a promise and delivering on that promise are two totally different things. If you know, you know. It's not a question of his character. He's good. He's faithful and he will do it. But the space of time between what he said and when he'll perform it, ugh, the places your mind will go. Tonight, we're going to talk about how to start and finish with faith. Join me on What You Trying to Do, Part 1. Get your Bibles, get your notebooks, let's go. Hey friend, I've missed you so much. The last couple of weeks, we took a minor detour from the study of Galatians as I tried out something new called Rewind Wednesday. As I'm going through a particular season in my life where I am relearning me and what it is that I want, what I believe God's plans for my life to be, and how to execute to get there, I needed a reminder about acceleration, about growth, and what could possibly be holding me back. No, let me let me rewind that. What I was possibly allowing to hold me back. And so I thought as I was asking myself these questions and mentoring a young lady who was asking similar questions, um, whether it was possible that other people could benefit from a similar reminder. We all need reminders here and there. And so I took a little break from Galatians, but baby, we are back. And I don't know... Um, if it's because I'm fired up with what God is doing in my life um, that requires an extreme uh, expression and demonstration of faith. But I know that this lesson is timely. And I think it's for more than just me. <laughs> but even if it's just for me, I'm receiving it on behalf of all of us. Okay. Um, in this portion of scripture that we're going to get into tonight, in Galatians 3, um, Paul is being Paul. He's out here Pauling, okay? He doesn't play. We know that. Uh, if you're sensitive, Paul's probably not going to be the teacher for you. Um, but if you're serious, then Paul is the one that you need. Um, in Galatians 3, he continues to go in on the church um, and us. Uh, and he is talking about this idea that once again, we have allowed ourselves to be fooled. Right? We have given in to a belief system that is totally counterintuitive to what we've been taught. And we're going to break that down in detail um, in a little bit. But I just want to preface this by asking you not to be offended okay, by our brother Paul, because he's really that friend that loves you enough to hurt your feelings. Do you know what I'm saying? He loves you enough to tell you the truth about yourself. 
And uh, he may call you a name here and there like a fool. But I mean, in that moment, were you being foolish? It's, it's arguable. It's, it's arguable that he was right. Um, and so we are going to read this scripture in context, understanding what he was talking about and who he was speaking to and what that means for practical application today for us living in these modern times. So if you have your Bible on you, please turn to Galatians 3 chapter, no, Shania, come on, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 9. If you don't have your Bible handy or you're driving, please don't open your Bible. <laughs> Let me have the distinct honor of reading the word to you. I'm going to start again in Galatians 3, verse 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this time. You ready? So it says, oh, foolish Galatians. See how he's starting out? It, it's fine. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him is righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now, if you're wondering what all of that means, don't worry. We're going to dig into it together. But before we go forward, let me back up a little bit. If you've not had the pleasure of joining us from the beginning of the study of Galatians, then you may not know the context of the scripture we just read, and that's okay. We previously heard from Paul in his letter written to the churches of Galatia, regarding this overarching theme of false doctrine, false teaching. Specifically, what we've talked about so far is that the Gentiles were being told, and Gentiles are non-Jewish born believers, the Gentiles were being told that yes, they could belong to the family of God through faith, they could receive salvation through Christ, as long as they also abided by the law of Moses, which required the men to be circumcised. So it caused a huge uproar. No one was clear on what to do. The early church had their first council and they made a judgment call that in fact, circumcision was not a requirement for salvation, that faith in Christ was sufficient, right? So then we went on to talk about the dangers of false teaching and how sometimes there is some um, uh, disunity within the body. And Paul had to confront Peter for acting funny, depending on who was around. So in that lesson, we addressed when and how to confront and that the ultimate goal of that kind of encounter should be uh, reconciliation, right? To make that person better as well. 
we then went on to talk about how often we can get caught up in false teaching because we don't know Christ for ourselves. But there was no judgment there because even John the Baptist, who led the way for Christ, even at one point questioned if Jesus was who he thought he was because Christ wasn't meeting John's expectations. We talked about the implications of that and how uh, forcing Christ into a little box limits his effectiveness in our lives. And so I highly recommend if you have not heard these episodes that you go back and give them a listen. But tonight we are talking about faith, something that is so simple spiritually, yet we make it and we, I mean, me as well, can make it so complex, right? In this portion of scripture, as you heard, Paul is mad. (laughs) I was going to say another word, forgive me. Y'all know I like alliteration, P words, okay? But I love Jesus more and I don't want to be a stumbling block to you, so I digress. Paul was upset. Paul is upset because all of the work, essentially, that the leaders have done to preach a concise and accurate, a clear picture of Christ's death and what it means is being watered down by those who are coming in and injecting false teaching and those who are then pushing back from faith because they're trying to somehow earn God's good graces or somehow trying to earn his favor as if you could, as if we could ever be good enough for the God of the whole universe, right? What could he possibly owe? us. He does for us because he loves us, because he wants to. In the same way your children could never or should never have to earn your love. At the very bare minimum, they get your provision because you desire to see them do well. And then we go above and beyond because we love them, right? Some would say we spoil them. My child is definitely spoiled, but I don't blame me. I blame his grandparents or his dad, anyone other than me, because I'm not ready for that kind of judgment. (laughs) But I say all this to say, we fall into this trap of thinking that there's something we can do to earn God's blessings. And when there is a delay between the promise and us tangibly be able to possess that promise, we can start to get antsy and think there's something that we need to be doing to make it happen. And that's where I really want us to hone in tonight. And so I'm going to give you the main point up front. I know you're thinking it's not really up front. We are 14 minutes in. Give me a break. Give me a break. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into the swing of this. It's been a couple of weeks. So the main point up front um, is, is this. This is the takeaway. And I'm giving it to you up front because faith is such an important issue. If you are pressed for time or you don't desire to listen to the entire episode, I want you to take this and I want you to meditate on it, but I'm also going to challenge you to keep listening so that we can wrestle through this thing together. Because if we don't get faith right, the rest of it doesn't matter. If we don't get faith right, that our salvation from Christ is a free gift that we take possession of by faith, none of the rest of it matters. If we don't believe him for salvation, we are not going to be able to enjoy the benefits of a faith-filled relationship which in it possesses the blessings and the provision that we need. Our journey with him is going to be filled with doubt and anxiety and fear. And none of this is the main point that I said I was going to give you. So I'm going to hush. I'm going to stop going off on a tangent. The takeaway, are you ready? Anything that is accomplished, listen to me, anything that is accomplished from mere 
human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. Let me say it again. Anything that is accomplished for mere human effort is but a shadow of what is possible by faith. Don't worry. We're going to get into all of this. I'm going to take a short break, get a sip of water, get your notebooks out if they're not already, get your Bibles out if they're not already, and we're going to pick up in Galatians 3, starting at verse 1. Come on back and join me. Hey friend, welcome back. So in this portion of scripture, and we're jumping right in, in Galatians 3, 1 through 9, Paul starts off by saying, you foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Now, he's not talking specifically about witchcraft. He's asking more of the question of who is it that you've allowed to infiltrate uh, what we have built? Who is it that you have allowed to have access to you to challenge what you know to be true. Paul goes on to say, for the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So Paul's saying, you're not someone who received a little piece of the gospel. You're not someone who was given half-hearted um, information. You were painted a clear and concise picture of who Christ is. You received truth and accuracy. You have acted on it. You have believed it. So why now are you allowing someone to challenge that? So for us, for practical application, we would want to ask ourselves very similar questions. First, who is it that we are allowing to have access to us? Who is it that is infiltrating our circle? Who have we allowed to implant seeds of thought that could be messing with us believing what we know to be true? Now, this is not a call to never question what it is you believe. In fact, I believe the opposite. Um, I believe that you should consistently question why it is that you believe what you believe. Because I believe that the type of relationship that you have to have that is sustained over your lifetime requires a type of confidence that only comes from you having clarity, that you know for yourself who Jesus is, that you believe him because of experiences that you have shared, not because this is just what was preached to you, not because it's what you were pressured to believe, and not because it's what has felt familiar and comfortable, but that you have actually been through some things together, that you have had a direct and personal revelation of who Jesus is that now leads you to say, I don't care what happens or what is said, I know Jesus for myself. And that's what Paul is saying, that this was painted as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross himself. So let me ask you, Paul says, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So this is where it comes time for us to do some self-evaluation. What is the basis of our relationship with Christ? Did we come into relationship with him because we followed a list of to-dos and not to-dos? Is that how you received Christ? Were you taught that there were certain things that you could do, certain things you couldn't do, and in a way that somehow made you righteous and worthy of belonging to the family of God? 
Or do you understand that there is nothing that you could do to be good enough, to be righteous enough, to be reconciled with God? That sin weighs us down. It's a part of our human existence. And the only one that could save us is Jesus. And because of his blood on the cross, which is offered as a free gift to us, we now through faith get to enjoy a relationship with God. We get to be fully reconciled with him both now and in eternity forever. Two totally different things. But I find sadly that many people truly believe that there's a combination of both that must take place. And that is where we get stuck. Because the implication is that I have a relationship with God. I received salvation through faith. I believe in God. I believe he exists. I believe he is who says that he is. I believe I am who he says that I am. And yet there are certain things that I feel obligated to do to remain in his quote unquote good graces that I feel like I have to do in order to move him to act in my life. Things that I must do uh, to remain righteous. And that is a trap. That is a trap. If we are dependent in any way on human effort, for salvation and to remain righteous, then we've gotten it all wrong. Now you may be saying, Shania, but what about the scripture that says faith without works is dead? You're so smart. You're so smart. You're absolutely right. But the works, the reason behind the works matters. Let me explain. If I believe that God is my source and that he loves me, he loves me enough to give his one and only son to die a painful, excruciating, uncompromising death for me. Then I choose to respond to that because I understand what a sacrifice that was, that I believe that he loves me the way that he says that he does, that nothing can separate us. And so the things that I do, whether it's spending quality time with him, attending church, serving the local body, um, I do those things as an expression of my love for him and an acknowledgement of my need for him. I don't do those things because I'm attempting to manipulate him or I think that it's going to make him do something he would not otherwise do. I understand that Shania is filthy. I am covered in sin that as a result of existing on this planet, that there is nothing I could ever do. Even if I were to rewind time to go back to my birth, there is nothing I could ever do to be good enough to deserve to go to heaven, to deserve to be in God's presence for eternity. There is nothing. There is nothing I could do. And because I understand that, and because I now realize that he loved me so much that he provided a way for me to do what I could not do on my own, and that he charges nothing for it, that it is a free gift. It makes me want to do these things. It makes me want to respond in love. It makes me want to acknowledge my dependency and to start off my day spending time with him, knowing that he orders my steps and he cares about my life. Do you understand? I don't work because I think that there's something I could do that if I tallied up a score, that it would outweigh the bad I've done. And maybe then he'll do this for me. Maybe then, you know, he'll answer this prayer that I've prayed. It, it doesn't work that way. And to imply that it does diminishes God's character and your role in position as his son or daughter. Think about your child. There are certain things that you ask them to do. 
because they're your child. Now, whether they want to do them or not isn't necessarily of consequence. It tends to go better for them if they respond respectfully and even put a little pep in their step, have a little joy about being able to contribute and to respond to you. But at the end of the day, how they feel about it doesn't really matter. But it does change the dynamic of the relationship right? If your child responds to you with an attitude or they respond to you half-heartedly or they respond to you disrespectfully or sometimes worse, respond to you in fear, that changes the dynamic of what you're capable of doing in their lives because it's clear that there's a trust issue somewhere we've gotten off track. They always say that if there's a trust problem, it's indicative that there's really a love problem, right? So there's some things we need to dig up there. The bottom line is that faith is given priority over obedience. Why? Because why we're being obedient matters. If you're being obedient as a result of faith, great, thumbs up. If you're being obedient because of fear, because you believe the lie that you have to earn your way into God's good graces, if you are believing the lie that you can somehow manufacture something that's going to be on the same level as one of God's miracles, then we need to do some reevaluation. And the reason why I won't say that you're wrong or bad is one, I'm not in a position to judge. I've been there. But because I know the propensity that waiting, (laughs) that waiting period between God's promise and the deliverance of that promise, I know what that can do to your mind. For some, waiting six months is a long time. Some of you have been waiting for decades. So I want you to know that I feel you. I hear you. But there's nothing you can do to force his hand. And that's not the type of God you would want to submit to, is it? One that could be manipulated? Because what if someone else was offering him more than you could give? Would he then do the will of that person? Do you want a God who can be bent to man's will or do you want to be a man who can be bent to God's will? These are the kind of questions that we have to ask ourselves and we have to be willing to constantly reevaluate our intentions and our motives. Why? Because it can be so easy to slip back into this list of to do's and not to do's. We feel good about ourselves if we did our devotional. We feel bad if we didn't. We feel close to God if we listen to praise and worship music today. We feel bad if we didn't. God is not the one putting these standards and expectations upon us. He wants true, authentic relationship with you. Do what you want to do because you want to do it. Would you want to be married to someone who treated you like a task on a to-do list that they literally checked off, spent time with him today? talked with them today? Or do you want someone who desires you so fully that they find joy in it? They're not tracking how much of this or that they're doing because they just have a heart that wants to be with you, a heart that wants to be intimate with you, to be in communion with you, to be in fellowship with you. That is what God desires. And that is a result of true faith. Works is something we do as a result of our faith, not as a substitute for it. So Paul says, I ask you again, did God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So I promised you that there were going to be six things, six ways you can stay rooted in your faith. And we're going to talk about the first three really briefly before we go ahead and wrap up. 
Next week, we're going to talk about verses six through nine, where he really focuses in on Abraham. And we're going to talk about the differences between uh, manufacturing your own miracles and letting God uh, produce his promises in his own timing and the consequences of trying to go out and accomplish things by mere human effort. Right. We're going to dig into that as we talk about Abraham next week. But the first three things that you can do to stay rooted in your faith. Number one is you're going to reflect. You're going to reflect on who it is and what it is that you've allowed into your circle of influence. Who is it that you have allowed to have access to you? What kind of things have you been talking about, thinking about, entertaining? And have those things had an effect on your faith relationship with Christ? Two, we are going to realign. Once we realize, hey, we've gotten a little bit off track here, we've started entertaining a belief system, a pattern of thought, a tendency that is not reflective of God's word, that is not reflective of truth, we're going to realign ourselves with the word of God. And in that process, we're going to do number three, we're going to reject. We're going to reject any notion, idea, argument, thought that tells us that we can or should earn our way into God's good graces. It's not possible. It is futile. And all it does is distance you from God because it disconnects you from your faith. So next week, again, we're going to pick up with verses six through nine, really digging into why Abraham specifically was used as an example and what the difference is between letting God manifest his miracles in your life and you trying to manufacture them on your own. In the meantime, be sure that you are reflecting, realigning, and rejecting. I love you, friend. I'll talk to you next time. I'm Shania, and this is Rooted. Rooted.